0: This is week two since I've been back from my sabbatical, and uh, I had somebody asking, you know, how am I doing? You know, are you just getting right back into the thick of things? And I I do feel like I've got the rhythms going again, but I do feel very relaxed and refreshed, and and, uh, I think I'm entering this new season with fresh perspective, and and some of the things we'll even talk about today are uh, what I have been learning as I have been gone for two months and coming back, and... um, just very excited to share that with you today. Um, uh, we're going to be looking at a, a passage from, from John in chapter 15. It's towards the end of John's, of, of Jesus' ministry. And uh, he is communicating to his disciples uh, things that he wants them to, to be reminded of, things that are of the utmost importance. You know, you've heard perhaps of what psychologists today call the primacy and the recency effect. You know that uh, any of you who are students know that uh, if you're studying for for any period of time, to study in smaller chunks because uh, the things at the beginning and the things at the end are what we tend to remember. There tends to be a little drop off. So as you as you study, you know, you if you t- keep those chunks shorter, 20 minutes or, or sort of time, the drop off is less, and you, you re- retain more. So the, so so what we have here is Jesus at the end of his ministry this is the recency effect he wants us to to understand that what he's saying to us is critical this is Christian living and so let's let's go to God's word if you're able could you stand for the reading of God's word I'm going to be reading from John chapter 15 uh, 1 through 9 As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. The word of the Lord. Father, we are thankful for your word. Jesus, thank you for these words of wisdom that you speak, even through the ages, by your Spirit to our hearts right now. I pray, Father, for each one of us, wherever we are on our spiritual journey, whether we have said yes to you yet or are examining or we've crossed that line to say you are my Savior. Maybe we've been walking with you for many, many years. I pray this would be a fresh word from the Spirit. Speak to our hearts, encourage us, draw us to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. And so... Again, the, the context, Jesus is approaching uh, his, his death, burial, resurrection, the purpose for which he came. You know, uh, I, I was speaking to a young man this morning and saying, you know, when Jesus th- came to this planet, the scriptures tell us at the beginning of this very letter that John wrote, that the word was with God, the word became God, the word dwelt among us. Uh, John says, "We have beheld his glory. He saw this man, Jesus, making claims of deity, saw that he was also resurrected, proving who he said he would be and uh as as we uh, uh just approach this purpose for which he came now he came and lived and showed us what the the perfect life looks like. He certainly is the model for for living life, but that's not His chief purpose for coming. It was to go to a cross. To die for sin. To cover over our sins. That we could be called, as we learned last week, the children of God. What lavish love. And so now he is uh, again teaching them uh, truths that he has tried to communicate in various ways. And even as we said last week, you know, there are some very basic ways to live this gospel and we hear them over and over and sometimes you say oh yeah and sometimes sometimes it penetrates and we just need to hear these truths sometimes in different ways the different nuances of of what God is saying and so what, what we see in John is seven times he has what we call the I am statements in in chapter eight he simply says before Abraham was I am at which the religious teachers picked up stones and wanted to kill him, because they understood that what he was saying when he said, I am, he was basically using the covenantal name of the Lord, Yahweh, the great I am. I am who I am. He was claiming deity. And so we arrive in chapter 15, and we see another of those I am statements. I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Perhaps even literally he lifts up. He wants to see bear fruit. And every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more, more fruit. Uh, this, this is part of the Christian journey. You know, there, are, there are times where you know, our loving father does discipline us. Every loving father does that, as we learned last week. Every loving father does that because he wants more for us already you are clean because of the word i have spoken to you you know earlier we saw jesus demonstrating his love for his disciples in getting down to wash their feet saying i am going to be your servant yes i am the king of creation yes i am the master of all but i'm come as your servant and you know peter impetuous peter says you you can't be washing my feet jesus and Jesus said to him then also, you're, you are clean. But this is right and proper. In other words, you know, for all of us who have trusted in Jesus, he says, the work that I have done on that cross, it has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. But we pick up dust on our feet. We, we walk through life and we need to have this pattern of daily repentance. Lord, forgive me. It, it keeps us walking with the Lord. Amen. It says, now you're already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. The word of God is, it's a cleansing agent. There's something very powerful about God's word that if we yield ourselves to it, it does a work inside of us. It changes us from the inside out. It has this power to, to conform us to the likeness of Jesus, the perfect one. It inspires what we call holiness, this desire for more. I am yielded to you, God. I am yours. It promotes growth and it, it reveals power for, for victory, for living a life where we know without a shadow of a doubt that we have something inside of us that doesn't belong to us, but that has been given to us, the Holy Spirit of God that gives us power to turn from sin and to seek God. And then he says in verse four, "Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me." Now, some of you who are perspicacious—I like that big word means keen and observant. (laughs) Some of you who who have been part of this church for a while may have noticed that. You know, my translation of choice is the NIV. I, I, I came to faith in the NIV. I, uh, that was, that was the, the English translation of the day. I've done all my scripture memory in the NIV. I, I, I like the, 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 the dynamic equivalence. I, I like the pattern of the NIV. But I'm preaching today from the ESV primarily because I, I love this word abide. Now, now the, the NIV says remain in me. And and the, the 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 word in the original language certainly has that that nuance that connotation. It, it, it's a word that uh, it communicates awaiting and, and and remaining and 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 lodging. You know, the word abide is the same word from which we get the word an abode, a place where someone lives. It speaks to sojourning, traveling alongside with, dwelling, continuing, enduring even in the midst of the most difficult circumstances. We, we endure without yielding. We are abiding. But what I want to communicate to us today in particular is, is that nuance of Christ my home. There's a wonderful little booklet. I think the author's name is Charles Hummel. It's called My Heart, Christ's Home. He says we need to abide in him, to, 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 to live in him. Just, just that wherever we go, he's there with us and we're conscious of that. That We, we, we practice the presence of God. I'm going to come back to that and talk about some, some practical ways that we can do that. But he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I am, it is he that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And what he's speaking of here is not, I mean, you know, we can look around us and say, you know, there, there, there are skyscrapers all around. There, there are airplanes. There, there's this technology that, uh, you know, where I, I'm preaching from a tablet that I downloaded from, from my computer and somehow magically in the air. It's, you know, he's not saying that you can't do those marvelous things that we marvelous as a culture. He's saying you cannot do anything that has any eternal value apart from me. These things are going to burn up. They're going, they're going to fade away. He said, apart from me, you can do nothing. By this, my Father is glorified. Verse 8, that you bear much fruit. And so prove yourself to my disciples. We jump on down to verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appoint you that you should go and bear fruit. And that your fruit should abide, remain, continue. You see, what he's saying to us is that when we do abide in him... In Jesus, my life becomes fruitful. It produces the kind of fruit that lasts, that remains beyond the here and now. What, what does that fruit look like? Well, you know, if you, if you think about any, well, most pieces of fruit, I was just thinking about that, maybe not a banana, but, but, but most pieces of fruit bear what? Seeds. And so one of the, uh, clearly God created this for our pleasure that we would enjoy fruit. Anybody here love fruit? Anybody not like fruit? <laughs> fruit is just like, you know, I, sometimes I, I eat a piece of fruit and I go, God, this came out of the earth and you did it just for my pleasure. It's, it's not just for my sustenance, okay? Food, food is not intended to be just for our sustenance. It's intended for us to enjoy and find pleasure in. This is why throughout the ages, in every culture, you find people coming together, socializing around what? A meal, food. And and in this fruit that bears seed, it's intended to reproduce. And so when, when Jesus says that he intends for us to be fruitful, he, one of the senses of that is that our lives are going to have impact through the generations. The people who see our lives as we're living with the Lord are going to say, I want that too, and it's going to be opening up doors for us to, to pass this on, and this you and I who have trusted in Jesus here today, if you're here today and seeking to understand what it means to be a Christian, I, I pray that before you leave, you'll say, yes, I want that too, because this is why we're here, to pass on this blessed message, What it's called good news, that's what the word gospel means, and you're here today because through the generations, there have been faithful men and women who have told others about it, and through the generations and through the generations. And we're here today because people have done that. That's fruit. We are the fruit of others. And if we're truly living for the Lord and abiding in Jesus, what will happen is that we will see that fruit too. There are going to be others who are going to say yes. But also what comes to mind is is Galatians 5, what we call the fruit of the Spirit. So you, you look at your own life. I've been a Christian now, uh, I don't know, a lot of years. Since 1988, I came to faith. But, but, but I was, again, speaking to this young man this morning. as describing my life up until age 26, you know, when I was, my goodness. I look back on that, that man that I was, and I say, I'm just not that person. I, I share some memories with that person, but I'm not that person because God is changing me. You know, as I seek to abide in Jesus and I'm seeing fruit coming out of that, I'm discovering that with time, the more that I abide with him, I see more love, more joy, more peace, growing in patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. I wasn't a gentle person at all self-control I, I, I'm more disciplined than I was and I'm not, not, not that I've arrived but, but but God is doing a work in man for every one of us if you have been abiding in Christ you know what I'm talking about you're seeing it happen the, 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 there's fruit that happens when we abide in him Let's continue. Verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into fire and burned. He's saying, essentially, if, if, if the mark of the true believer is that you will see fruit. That, that's essentially what he's saying. There are a lot of people who say, I'm a Christian. There's a lot of people who have claimed that. Uh, Mike, what was the term we used? That, that, that we live in, in, in a, a cut flower. Thank you, Mike. Mike and I were talking about this this past Friday. A cut flower culture. You know, you cut the flower and it looks like a flower. It, there's this cultural Christianity that's out there. A lot of people think they're Christians because perhaps this is just the culture they grew up in, but they've never really said I'm chosen. I want to abide in Jesus. You have to abide in Him. You have to, got to live in it. It's, Christianity is not living out principles. It's living in Christ. In the life of Christ. it's his, Our life is in him. That's where our life comes from. But then he says these really powerful. Oh, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about this Lord Jesus. He says this. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish. And it will be done for you. That, that's powerful. He, he's essentially saying that. When I abide in Jesus, my prayers are going to get answered. He says again in verse 16, You did not choose me, but I chose you, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give to you. God delights in answering our prayers. And somebody here, I know he's going to say, think, you know, that's not been my experience, Pastor Brian. You know, I, I, I love the Lord, but I just don't see my prayers being answered. Well, well you know, I, I, I got to say this about prayer. And I, I, I am, especially after these last two months, feel like I'm starting to understand a little bit about prayer. I believe in the power of prayer. I, and I know a lot of the principles of prayer. But I feel like the more I pray, the more I start to understand, Lord, there's so much more. There's a, a, another passage in Scripture that says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and we'll, He will give you the desires of your heart. You see, I, I think what happens is that uh, too many of us approach God like that great vendor in the sky. Let me just put in my coins. Here's the formula, and God just... But here it is. No, that's not how it works. It's a relationship. And this abiding, delighting ourselves in God... When that happens, I'm convinced that what happens is that I start to understand God's purposes and his principles more. And and rather than me saying, God, here's what I want. You've got to do because you made a promise. You told me if I asked That's a misunderstanding of scripture. Rather, what happens is that rather than me trying to conform God to my will, he conforms me to his And I start to understand there are things that I won't understand on this side of eternity. Because I still see through a glass dim. I don't understand it all. None of us do. But I do know God is good. I know he's always working all things for my good. And I know that there's this thing that we live in called space and time. Which prevents everything from happening at once. Right, God sees it all at one time, but you and I are stuck in this thing where you only see the moment. You and I only see the moment. When I said moment a moment ago, that's gone, just a memory. <laughs> we're stuck here, and we, we're traveling through this thing called time, and we perceive the moment. And but we want God to do what He's doing now, and God says, "I have you covered. I am working on your behalf." There's some things that we cannot see that He's doing, and we may wonder why God did You allow me to go through this kind of trauma, emotionally, physically, spiritually. Why did You even allow that, God? And I can tell you, like everyone in the, if you've had any years behind you, everyone in this room, you've gone through some stuff that you may have questioned and wondered why did God allow. And some of you have uh, enough of a track record with God, and a testimony, to see, Oh, that's why God. You were working for my good. When I think back to my 20 years ago not being able to even stand and wondering if I would be in a wheelchair for the rest of my life and that I can go out and ride a bicycle 40 miles and I can run and I can do all these kinds of things. And I'm going, you were working. But there's still lots of things I don't understand. But I know this. God is good. And He is answering prayer. Sometimes he's saying no because he's looking out for my good. But God says, I will answer your prayers. And the more I abide in him, the more I know him, the more my heart is conformed to his will, the more I can say, I delight in you, God. He says, I will give you the desires of your heart because my desires are going to line up with his. He says now in verse 9, if you have, as the fathers loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, verse 10, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments. And abide in his love. And then verse 11, I love this. And if you guys familiar with the Enneagram scale? You need to know I'm a seven on that. You can look it up. So I relate to this one. Seven is a joyful person. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. He's telling us essentially, you abide in me, your joy will overflow. This is what he wants for you and me. You know that, right? I mean, there's other parts of Scripture that, that, that's made very clear. This is God's will for you in Christ. is that you might be joyful. Be joyful always. Rejoice always. Over and over. This is his desire. But he's telling you now, here's the key to it. It's not living out principles. It's abiding in him. Living in him. Living in him. Let me just say this real quick, because I've had folks that have attempted to lift when they're in a dark space. You know, I'm thinking of a friend of mine right now, not too long ago, lost his sister, and he was so sad. And, and I, I was trying to communicate to him that there's a joy that the Lord has for you even in the midst of this. And I think part of our cultural misunderstanding is that we think joy means happiness. Happiness is is an emotion, and emotions come and emotions go. Joy is this deep-seated, confident trust in God that He is, again, with me, and that even when I am sad, I can have joy. I can even smile when I'm sad. I, I mean, a year ago, losing my mom, I was so sad, I wept, but had a joy, because I knew God was with me, and God was watching over my mom and she was with him. And this is the kind of joy we're talking about. We abide in Christ's joys, ours, overflowing. So how, how do we abide in Jesus? How, how, how does this happen? Uh, we, we need to know, okay, practically what I do. Okay, you, you know, it, it, one of the things that, that, that I have oftentimes noticed in Scripture is that, that, you know, it doesn't always tell us how to. It just tells us to do it. You know, this is what happens if we do this. So, so what, what do we do? But I'm thankful that Jesus is telling us exactly what to do. He says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. We talked about this last week. If you missed last week's message, please go online. And we have all of them available on YouTube and Spotify and all these kinds of things. We were talking about the the depth of the Father's love, and we looked at that that that, that well known parable that we call the prodigal son, and we were saying this is really not about the son, but about the Father who pours out lavish love on us. and And I, I made the point last week, and I'll say it again today, and I'll say it again tomorrow, and for the rest of my life. This is really the key to Christian living: is to receive that love that lavish love of the father of the son of the spirit to receive it so let his love fill you and 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 stop doubting it because sometimes we we want to say how could somebody love someone like me i I don't live up i i've been that prodigal son i've walked away i i have done all kinds of foolish things and, and i claim jesus but yes i'm doing these kinds of things and we don't think that we are worthy enough We don't think we're worthy to receive God's love. And I would argue that from a completely human perspective, I agree with that. You've probably heard mentioned this, this, this song that meant so much to me in my early days by a group called Commission. Some of you know the name Fred Hammond. Fred Hammond was the lead singer for this, this band that, that I, I loved. And they have this song called So Unworthy. And the song continues, you know, I, I'm so unworthy, Lord. And he keeps talking about all the things that he's done. But then it comes to crescendo. He says, but I've been made worthy, Lord. Since you laid your hands on me, I, I've been made worthy, Lord, and your love has set me free. You have been made worthy by the blood of Christ. There's nothing inherent in you that, that, that makes you so worthy. In and of yourself, in and of myself, what do I bring to God? But God says, no, it's not about you. It's about me. I love you. I have made, made you worthy. And there's nothing that will separate you from my love. I was just reading this past week in Romans 8, where it just ends with that great crescendo again. I'm convinced that neither the death nor life nor the angels nor the demons nor the present nor the future nor any power nor the height nor depth nor anything else in all creation can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Allow that love to fill you and don't doubt it. This is key to living the Christian life. If you don't receive it, you can't give what you don't have. So receive it. Just believe it. Stop doubting. Amen. This is crucial. I mean, it it, it, in one sense seems to me so basic. And it is. It's basic to the Christian life, but so difficult for us because everything else around us. Tells us that we're not worthy, or we got to do something to earn respect and love. And you know, uh, you know, you go to your job. You, if you don't perform, you know, you get laid off, or this or that. Or you even, we hear this in our own families, and we have been bombarded with these messages. And so this message is so incredibly counter-cultural. but it's the truth. You are loved. Let let Jesus love you. Stop doubting it. Let His love li- fill you. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. This is my commandment. Commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this. That that someone lay down his life for his friends. You're my friends. If you do what I command you. So, so, so you see, Jesus is expressing here that he's already loved you. He's laid down his life for you. He's called you friend. He loves you. But we got to love him back. And you remember, you know, we go back a little bit. He said, you know, if you want to uh, abide in me, you got to abide in my love. So it's one thing to say, I receive your love, Lord Jesus. one thing, but, but, but if you don't love back, then, then there's something wrong with that relationship, right? I want you to love me, but I'm not going to love you. Does that make any sense? <laughs> I mean, think about even any human relationship. Please love me, love me, love me, but I'm not going to love you. That doesn't make any sense. He's already loved you. Now, the response is to love him back. He says the way you do that is to live obediently it's this is the mark of our love for the lord it's not a feeling on a sunday morning oh you played just the right songs it 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 brought up little goosebumps on me i feel it's not really about that at all as a matter of fact you know you you know the the essence of love is not about emotion i know i'm not discounting emotion i'm an emotional kind of guy i get very emotional in front of my father in front of the son front of my bride (laughs) right there's a a proper component to love that is emotional but it's not primarily about that it is i i'm going to do what blesses you and jesus says the way you love me is by living obediently to me these are my commands these are my commands if you love me Uh, in, in the next chapter he says the same thing whoever has my commands and keeps them that is the one who loves me and i will love that person too and show myself to them it's, it's obedience. Uh, uh, but, but, but I can't be obedient if I don't know what his commands are. So I, I guess the practical side of that is, I got to st- start looking at this word and saying, God, what is it that you ask of me? I got to learn it more and more. And the more that I am ready to yield to it. And it's, it's not about you really understanding it all. You don't have to understand it all to say, I'm going to trust. God, why did you say that I should, uh, should forgive this person who is wrong? I don't get that, God, but I'm going to do it anyway. Because I want to be obedient to you. That's how we love God back. That's how we love him back. Live obediently. No longer do I call you servants. But the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I've called you friends. Isn't that an amazing thing? That the God of all creation looks at you and says, this is my friend. This is my friend Bobby. (laughs) And Michael and Adam and... You go, oh, no, no, on. just calls my name. He calls you friend. For all that I've heard from my Father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, but that your fruit should abide, remain, last, so that whatever you ask my name, he may give to you. But these things I command you, all these commands are what? So that you will love one another. Okay, so, so there's a lot of commands given in Scripture and how we live out the Christian life. And, you know, sometimes it might feel like, well, you know, it's such a big book. There's a lot to learn. Yes, there's a lot to learn, but we have a lifetime that we still have to come, commit ourselves to saying, I want to learn it. But let me just give you the quick summary of the whole Bible. Love God. Love people. That's it. Love God and love people. And he said, all these commands that I'm giving to you, are so that you will love one another. So, so the, all those benefits he talked about of, in abiding in him, well, well, how do I do this, God? I'm going to let you fill me, because I don't know how to love apart from your love. And, and I am going to choose your, your commands. I'm going to live obediently. And then I'm going to love like you did, which is unconditionally. I'm, I'm not going to love people because they're lovely or because they have done just right for me. Or because they have done what I want them to do. Or they've behaved. No, you just love. Because that's what God has done with us. He's just loved. And this is abiding in Jesus. Is there somebody in here who wants to see fruit in their lives? Is there somebody here who wants their prayers answered? Somebody here want a little bit of joy in your life? He's telling you what to do. Receive his love. Live for him. Love people. You know, I, I read these words and go, Lord, this seems so simple. It's clear. It's, it's not difficult. Anybody, anybody had any trouble with, with what I said today? Any, any, anything that needs explanation? It's pretty clear. But we just got to yield to it and say, I'm going to do it. This is what I'm going to do. You know, again, the word abide, to abide in Jesus. There's another passage of scripture right at the end of what, what we call our Bible. It's the last book of the Bible, a book many of us don't read a whole lot, the book of Revelation. And in the third chapter, Jesus speaking to his church says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. He's knocking on your heart right now, knocking on my heart. You know, we oftentimes look at that passage, this uh, is Revelation 3.23. We, 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 we think of it as, you know, something that's evangelistic, but the context is he's speaking to his church. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person there with me it's a picture of abiding being together and you know again what's very powerful about that is he's not kicking down any doors he's not forcing his way into any heart he says i'm knocking you hear my voice i'm speaking to you will you let me come in will you abide with me and let me abide with you can we live together I'm going to go to God in prayer right now. and uh, I just believe that there's somebody who needs to to receive that prayer. I believe there's somebody who maybe has been doubting God's love. And today you're saying, I, I don't get it all, but I, I just want to pray with someone. Because I wanted to. We all do. You know, you may not you may have a little trouble articulating, but you want it. Of course you do. Who doesn't want that relationship with God? Who really doesn't want it? We're going to have a prayer team up front. And if you want to pray with that, maybe, maybe, maybe you are, are in that space where this is a first time for you. Where you're saying, today, for the first time, I'm hearing Jesus knocking on my heart and I want to let him in. I want to begin this journey today. If that's you, make sure you come and receive prayer because there is a next step, which would be that you submit yourself to the waters of baptism. We're going to be doing that again in another few weeks. And if you need to take that step, don't hesitate. Don't Don't let the enemy snatch that seed. God has planted a seed in your heart today to say, I love you. And I want good things for you. And the enemy wants to snatch it and say there's all kinds of things out in the culture that will supply that for you, and he's a liar. The devil can provide for you what only God can. So let's go to God in prayer together. And again, if you need prayer for yourself individually, make sure to receive that through one of our prayer team. Father, thank you so much for sending your beloved son. Jesus, we thank you for these words of truth. We thank you that you are the vine, that we are the branches, that our life is found in you. I pray today, God, for every one of us here that we would choose from this day forward to abide in you. Thank you, God, that when we forget these truths and we stray, you your arms are wide open and you receive us back. And I pray, God, if there's somebody who's been straying and today's that day to say, I come back, that you'd have boldness to say, this is the kind of God I serve. He will not throw out a bruisery, that he's ready to receive me. Thank you, Lord, for that. I pray, God, for that person who wants to say yes, perhaps for the first time, that you would say in your heart, Jesus, I know that you died for my sins. I know that I am a sinner. And I believe that you rose from the third day, on the third day proving that you have power over sin and death. And today I choose you. This is my journey, my beginning of my abiding with you forever. I'm going to love you and follow you and serve you all my days. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.